listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. Only seven games left to go in season, Lakers fans. Recording this on a Thursday, LA playing the Hornets tomorrow. And you'll get a chance to see a guy who could potentially be wearing the purple and gold up close next season. They're taking on Kemba Walker and the Hornets at Staples on Friday night. This podcast brought to you, of course, as it always is, by SilverScreenEnroll.com. we got all your Lakers needs covered, breakdowns, opinions, analysis. And don't forget, subscribe to our podcast network as well. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. Uh, Alex and Jordan did a pretty cool episode a couple of days ago looking into whether or not any current Lakers will have a role in LeBron's upcoming Space Jam 2, a movie I will most definitely not be watching, and I'm not sorry about that. And also follow us on Twitter as well, at LakersSBN. I'm at JazzKang21. Just to give you a quick update, Lakers sitting at 33-42. and 42. As of right now, 10th best Audrey. If they stay in that position, they'll have a 3.9% chance at getting the number one pick, which pretty much means Zion Williamson. A 13.9% shot at picking in the top four. I don't think their chances will improve. They're sitting two and a half up on Washington and New Orleans. Uh, could drop, though. The T-Wolves struggling, as always, perpetually. That's what that organization has been doing for a long time. They're only half game up on the Lakers. And some bad news on the injury front. If you didn't hear, Josh Hart officially done for the season. No surprise there. He's been dealing with injuries all year long. Uh, so to me, that's the right decision. On with me today, a regular on the 30 podcast. He writes for us over at silverscreenandroll.com. My man, Alex Regula. Alex, what's going on, man? Hey, Jazz. Thanks again for having me on. Oh, no problem. You should check him out on Twitter as well if you haven't. He tweets out some good, fascinating stuff, especially when it comes to the analytics side of basketball. Uh, you can follow him at Alex M. Regula. That's R-E-G-L-A. So, Alex, the drama continues in Lakersland. More reports coming out today about Coach Luke Walton. I'll give you a quick update on that. For the second time this season, we're hearing that LeBron and his camp aren't too big of fans of Luke. No surprise there. Uh, the athletics, uh, pardon me, the athletics, Bill Oram reporting that he, the belief is that Magic wants to bring in a coach of his own choosing, and LeBron's camp is pushing for a change as well. The LA Times, Tanya Ganguly, saying that Johnson and Palenka have different ideas from Luke in terms of lineups and, and which guys should be getting more minutes. Uh, Ganguly also saying that LeBron's camp pushing for a change as well. What are your thoughts on all this, Alex? Too much drama or what? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of been the story of the season. It's just way too much drama from the front office down to the coaching staff to the players. But, uh, yeah, it's like not much of a surprise now. We kind of know what Luke's fate is. It sounds like he's going to be gone after the season. And I think this latest report just kind of gives more uh, some more weight to it that uh, from the front office's point of view and LeBron's camp that Luke probably wasn't the coach they wanted. Uh, the front office didn't hire Luke. So I think that's important to remember that he's not the guy they hired to put in that spot. And um, since they took over, they've been putting in people that – they want so they've traded away some draft picks that they didn't draft they probably are likely might do, do that again this summer and then with Luke you know he was the coach they wanted they can you know definitely hire someone that they want in that position and I think the most interesting point uh in that Bill Oren piece specifically was that Jeannie Buss said that she would kind of hand over that coaching search to the front office and kind of support whatever they decide and Jeannie has been kind of the biggest Luke supporter on the in the front office so it sounds like Luke is probably gone and i mean it's he didn't have the the fair shake this season but it just it's the way it goes after a disappointment like this season well, i think that's that's kind of the problem to me when you look at this lakers team like hey sure you know what magic and palenka came in they want to bring in their own guy that happens pretty much well 90 95 percent of the time in any professional or you know organization when it comes to sports that they want to have their own people in place the issue i have with all this is 
Man, enough with the leaks. Like, if you look at good organizations and good franchises and championship franchises, you rarely hear this kind of stuff coming out. Like, with the Warriors, we've seen a little bit of the drama because it's happening on the court. Like, people can tell, okay, Draymond and KD got into a little bit of a, a bitch session there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that that people will dissect that till no end. I mean, you check ESPN or Fox Sports, every show is, is covering that, you know what I mean, for a segment. And then you look at you look at the the outskirts of of the of the of teams like the Warriors, uh, of teams like the Red Sox, you know, if you if you want to go to baseball, uh, teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins in hockey, you don't hear about all these leaks coming out. So uh, to me, I think a big thing is Genie Bus has got to sit down with Magic Palinka Get everybody in the same room and get everybody on the same page because this is obviously a huge distraction with the trade rumors, the coaching stuff. Um, you know, it's it's been nonstop, and I don't think they can continue this and start building towards success. No, yeah, definitely. All season long, there's been a leak. It feels like every other day there's something that comes out, either from Woj or or Shams or uh, Orem, or, you know, local beat guys, and just it, it feels like it's coming from different areas, either from uh, Magic and Plinka, from Walton's camp, from LeBron's camp. It just feels like everybody has a has a motive to put out there and a you know a, a narrative they want to push, and they kind of they're almost combating each other all season. They, that it's you know the injuries have played a part, but it's the coach's fault. Uh, we want to trade for this guy. It's just it's like a nonstop drama cycle that you know hasn't. It's kind of spilled over onto the floor. You know, the players don't know if they're going to be traded the next day or if they're going to be here for the long run and if LeBron wants me here or not. So it's just been an unhealthy environment since almost the first game of the season. Right. It's like, it's like watching Days of Our Lives for us sports fans. You know what I mean? It just never ends with these guys. And, and to me, um, you know, following the Lakers and kind of being, you know, in the know the last couple of years when you're watching this team, you're like, dude, it's great for off-season stuff. It's great for the off-court, off-days, but... This is it's getting too much because if they were winning, obviously you wouldn't have this stuff happening. But, you know, you're looking I'm looking at this organization. And I'm saying, OK, first thing that Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka need to do is stop living in an echo chamber and bring some people in who will actually start questioning their decisions. Like I know Magic has a lot of clout. Um, there was that, that video that came out uh, a couple of weeks back or a week ago. Sorry. Um, you know, comparing his comments with with Jerry West and, and, you're, and you're seeing that stuff. And I talked about that in the last po- last podcast I did in depth with um, with George Sedano. But if you're looking at this, it's like, dude, yeah, you went to nine finals. That was a long time ago. The game has changed. Like the, the Lakers are the Warriors, part of me, uh, who are the gold standard of the NBA, especially obviously over the last five seasons. They don't sit there and have, um, you know, a bunch of yes men just echoing whatever Bob Myers wants to hear and Joe Lacob wants to hear. Like, I think Jeannie has to do a better job of controlling this because ever since they lost Jim Buss and, and you know what, like, I mean, obviously it wasn't something that they could have helped with that, but and it was unfortunate, but the team hasn't been the same. No, absolutely. And, and the Warriors had, you know, for before they became the Warriors, they had Jerry West in there and he, he famously kind of vetoed that Clay Thompson, Kevin Love train. So the more, the more smart people you have in your office, the better it's going to be. And, you, you need people to question you, especially with Magic and Plinka. They're, they're rookies at their jobs. So Magic may have, you know, is probably one of the greatest Lakers, if not the greatest Laker ever, one of the best basketball players. But he's still a rookie at this job. And you need as many smart people you can have in that office to kind of to guide you to the, you know, what you don't know. And I think that their criticism of Luke this season has been, you know, he doesn't have that veteran assistant coaching staff, but neither do they in the front office. So it's kind of the, there's just, it, it's like a, it's kind of frustration from the front office down to the coaching staff that there's kind of 
a, a misconnect of what they want and there's a, a job insecurity going out there and it's hard to perform at your job when you don't know if you're going to be there next summer or if the writing is on the wall that you're going to be gone. So for a lot of these players and, and for Luke, you know, it's hard for them to perform at their at their best, highest level when they're scared of what's going to happen, you know, tomorrow. It's, it's funny because I did a I did a podcast with Brian Windhorst. This was back in December, right before LeBron had even gotten hurt. And he, and he was saying to me, he goes, you know, people in Los Angeles, if they don't know by now, if things continue to go south for this team, they'll find out real quick how impatient LeBron is. They go, you know, in terms of being a man and off the court, he's great. But when it comes to basketball, he's impatient. And you're seeing that. And it's almost like the lack of patience is hurting the entire organization. And, uh, you know, I know people are frustrated. I know Lakers fans are pissed off. It's been, you know, six years now that they haven't seen a postseason game, uh, you know, for their, for their team. And, and you're, you're looking at this and it's like, all right, but even then you have to have a plan in place and you have to give that plan some time in order to come to fruition. And I think that's where... Uh, to me, uh, you know, looking at, at this as, as an organization as a whole, obviously, I mean, take the injuries played, I, I think, a massive part in the team struggles, but they never really looked that great. I mean, even before LeBron got hurt, uh, they weren't, you know, going on a crazy winning streak the whole time. Like they were up and down a lot. And then yeah, I think with Magic, when you have guys who are 21, 22, you know, 24, 25, like it is with Kuz, you have to give these guys some time in order to make things work. And, and, and I'm looking at this now. It's like you're hearing Jason Kidd. Uh, I heard Will Bond say on PTI, like, Byron Scott should be the next coach, which I would touch <laughs> that guy with a 10-foot ball. I don't know where you got that from. But it's like, well, you know, when you're, when you're hearing this stuff and watching it, who would want to coach here? Because if you look at LeBron's history, uh, you know, most coaches go by the wayside other than maybe T. Lou and Eric Spolster. And I think that had a huge help that Pat Riley knew what he was doing. So it, it's almost like a lose-lose if you come here and coach this team right now. Oh yeah, I, I yeah, it's probably got to be. It's it's definitely a desirable job because the Lakers in LA and you get to, you know, be here and, and embrace all that spotlight and everything. But at the same time, it's got to be probably the most difficult job in, in the NBA because you know if you go on a three game losing streak again, there's gonna be another leak out there where LeBron might you know run it, run his own play out there when he you, and he ignores your play call. There's just a ton of different uh, elements to, that go into coaching the Lakers and a team that has LeBron and all these twenty somethings on it. It's definitely it's, it needs a coach that demands a respect from the locker room and you know Luke for all his you know all his benefits of you know building team chemistry and developing young guys he still has that earned that you know level of respect because he's still a relatively new coach as well you know he's still I believe the second youngest coach in the NBA now so I think they're looking for some type of coach that can at least have some type of you know, a voice in the locker room and I know those names you listed don't really you know, give me a ton of optimism about how that, that direction is going to go, especially with the way they've hired before. They don't really, you know, cast a wide net when it comes to hiring outside Lakers spectrum. It's always former players or former people associated with the team. And I think that's, the issue starts with up top and it, it leaks down to the players on the floor. And I think this summer, a lot of people just have to open their eyes and, and look at look at themselves in the mirror and what went wrong. No, you're, you hit the nail on the head with that. I think they have to kind of look outside of Lakerland because outside of those two championships they had in, in 2009 and 10, not a lot has gone right for this team. I mean, you remember that disastrous year they had in 2012 with Dwight Howard and, and, and Steve Nash here. I mean, Nash didn't even get to play that much because of his injuries. But, uh, you know, when I, that's what I was saying when I mentioned earlier, like Wilbon mentioning Byron Scott, like Byron Scott, come on, man. Like, you know, like this is we've had enough of that. They, I think they have to look at someone who can not I don't want to say clash with magic, work with magic, but challenge magic, I would say is the, is the right word. Challenge Rob Palenka and say, no, you know, we need to build a team like, uh, you know, you're watching that Utah game that they got smoked in. 
um, last night, you know, you're seeing Joe Ingles. I'm not, I'm not saying every team is accessible to get a guy like Joe Ingles, but you need people like that on your team. You need guys you can have in there uh, that, that play different roles, that can be dirty and play some defense, get into another guy's face and be aggressive, can hit the threes. And I think when you look at the roster composition, yeah, you have all this young talent, but do they fit together? Well, when you look at that, like, how do you think the Lakers can rectify that going into the offseason? Well, yeah, I think it's it's hard to get that type of player when you're only handing out one-year deals. I mean, a lot of these guys that come in on one-year deals, they have something to prove for their next contract. And at that, you know, most of the time that comes with scoring a lot of points or, you know, getting a ton of counting stats. So you don't get those guys that want to do all those dirty things because usually that doesn't get them paid. So I, I, it usually guys like Ingles are on these multi-year deals and they're comfortable with where they're at and they're willing to do those dirty things. But when you guys, when you have guys who are on one-year deals, it's just hard to get that type of, you know, response from them. And I, I think that that kind of plays in the whole, the whole trade drama and stuff that also plays in part of it. Like you, if you don't have job security, you're not going to give your best performance at your workplace, no matter what the, the work is, if it's in the NBA, if it's in an office or whatever. So I, I think to rectify that, the Lakers do have to kind of, I, I know they want to get that second max star, but they do have to start building a team with, you know, guys that are going to be here on a consistent level, not just swapping out the roster every year. Exactly. And then when you when you look at this, it's like the year 2000 anymore, you know, where, the, where guys were like, damn, I want to go to L.A. right away and you know, get Carl Malone and Gary Payton and even guys at the end of their careers who could still ball. But, you know, right now it's like recently, other than LeBron, most of the of the young free agents haven't want to come to the Lakers. And you look at this, it's like it's a toxic environment. I, I, don't, I don't think. And that's where it goes. What I was saying off the top there is they have to find a way to try to like tighten up all the leaks conceal everything that, that's going on in-house and keep it there. Otherwise, none of those Max guys are going to want to come here. They're proven NBA superstars. The, you know, Kawhi has a championship. Kyrie has a championship. Clay has multiple championships. These guys want to go somewhere where it's going to be fun for them to play as well as win. And I don't think there's a lot of fun in Lakerland right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. And, and you know, you, I mean, there's that, the rumor that some players don't want to play with LeBron. And even if that's true or if it's not true, they don't want to deal with this type of drama on a daily basis. So I think for those guys you listed, you know, they've accomplished what they've accomplished already. So, you know, grouping up with another Max star may not be the highest on their priority list. You know, a guy like Kevin Durant might want to go to New York and kind of lead his old his own team now, or Kyrie might want to lead his own team now or meet up with his buddies. So uh, the Lakers, you know, the selling points that they've had in the past are kind of, they've been falling by the wayside just because of all this, like you mentioned, all this drama that's coming with this team, the front office, the coaching staff, LeBron, it's just a ton of stuff going on with this team that it's hard to, to pitch a, a player to come join this when it just hasn't gone well this season. Uh, yeah, and you, you know what? They, I, I think that is the biggest key is you have to sell guys on what the culture, I know it's like an overused cliche, but I truly believe it in this case with, with teams like the Lakers who are trying to kind of break through and, and get back into a situation of relevance in terms of competing for championships because the Lakers are always relevant regardless of how bad they are. But they have to change the culture of the team and start building things the right way. Uh, I do want to get into that. You, you tweeted out some good numbers yesterday, too. As I mentioned, you can follow them at Alex M. Regula. We'll get to that right after this short break. All right, and we're back. So as I was mentioning there, Alex, you had tweeted out some numbers yesterday, like about in terms of some, a few of the guys, big name guys on the Lakers, showing the different numbers when LeBron's on the floor and when he's not. Now, you, you showed that Lonzo was better in terms of the advanced stats on the offensive end uh, without the king on the court, while Kuz's numbers were higher with LeBron on the court. 
Why do you think these guys had such co- contrasting results? Yeah, I, th- I think with Kuzma specifically, he he's done a really good job since you know LeBron's been on board with playing off the ball and and cutting really well and just you know making himself available f- for passes. And I think LeBron has you know uh, last time I checked, Kyle Kuzma was on the the receiving end of the most uh, assists on LeBron this season. So th- those two have a really good chemistry together. And and I think when LeBron's off the floor, like we saw last night, Kuzma's kind of in, in you know scoring mode where he just wants to go out and get his own. Whereas when LeBron's on the floor, he, he kind of plays within himself and he kind of he wants he, he cuts well and he kind of creates opportunities by his off ball movement. And, you know, with Lonzo, I, I think contextually that early on in the season, he wasn't 100 percent. And as the season went on, he kind of, you know, got his legs back underneath them. And when that happened, LeBron was hurt. So I think those numbers might be you know inflated a bit just because those two really haven't shared the floor together all this season. And. When they have, it's been either one of them's kind of been hurt or someone else has been injured. So I think there's different factors in both. And uh, I, I think LeBron, for the most part, has made things a lot easier for guys like JaVel specifically. Like we've seen JaVel just go off in the last three or four games because LeBron just, you know, feeds him. He, you know, he spoon feeds him in the post and these dunks. And he's, you know, regardless of how you view LeBron, he still, you know, generates a ton of gravity on the floor and just draws these extra defenders to make extra easy looks for his teammates that's one guy i wanted to talk about with you as well look at javel like i was looking up some numbers on him he started off the season hot man he was dropping 15 a game Mm -hmm. through the first eight uh his numbers came down to just 10 points a game in november january was his worst month uh mostly when when they were playing without lebron and now he's back up to 14 a game in march Uh, i I agree with you i think he's benefited a lot in terms of uh having a guy like lebron on the team because He's gotten so many easy baskets just by reading the play and, and, and you know, cutting at the right time uh, down the paint or just, you know, being in the basket for the drive and dish from LeBron. When you look at him, and I know, he, you know, he said he was mentioning actually recently that coming back from pneumonia or pneumonia, as he used to say when I was younger. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, he, he was saying that, um, you know, he, it took him some time to, to find his legs again. When you look at a guy like JaVale, he's a little bit older now. Um, do you look at bringing him back if the contract's right, or do you just kind of let him walk? Uh, I mean, if he's willing to come back on a similar, you know, annual salary rate, and but also maybe come off the bench. I mean, I don't, I don't know who they try to pursue in free agency in terms of center. I know, there's not that many centers out there in free agency unless you want to go the Demarcus Cousins, DeAndre Jordan route. And I don't know how how that dynamic works uh, with this locker room how how it is already. But I, I think Chevelle has, you know, he's. Of, of the free agents they've signed this past summer, he, he's probably been the most productive. And when he's healthy, he's seen that. He, he's still a really effective, useful player. You know, Early in the season, he was legitimately maybe a defensive player of the year candidate with how he was playing. But he, you know, his stamina caught up with him. Pneumonia, like you mentioned, just a, a ton of different things affected how his, his downfall. But recently, he's just been you know, out of his mind, effective. And I think that if the price is right and he's, you know, willing to either come off the bench or play a limited role so he's not the center on the team as opposed to like a second or third string where he, he's more he, he's more what the, the team needs as in like a bench center that brings that extra energy and that 10, 12-minute, you know, spurts and opposed to like a 28-minute JaVale McGee. So I, I definitely would be willing to bring it back if the price is right. Okay, I was going to say what you were. I didn't want to cut you off, but let's not get carried away with defensive player of the year. Well, okay, okay, first, okay, Alex. Like, no, no, first, I, first, I'm like, just bugging you. Five oh, I know what you're saying. <laughs> <Five> <laughs> <minutes>. <laughs> well, no, I mean he did. Yeah, he was he was blocking a ton of shots. 
his help side defense was good. But I, I'm in the same boat as you. You know, if he, if he wants to come back on a cheap deal, I think the way he's playing, some team might offer him a two-year, you know, 10, 12, $14 million deal or something like that. But um, uh, you know what? They had a guy, and it still kind of pisses me off that they traded Zubats for Mike uh, can't shoot worth nothing Muscala. Um, that, that, he doesn't even get minutes. Yeah, like, well, I, I don't even understand. He's like, you know, and the, and the rationale for that was, well, we need shooting, and Muscala gives a shooting. Like, dude. I could hit more threes in Muscala right now. I know that's, you know what I mean? Like, come on. But uh, you, you've seen that. So that, to me, you're right. There isn't, there isn't any huge uh, bona fide all, you know, all-stars. And I'm, I'm taking that away from Boogie just for the fact that he's been injured and hasn't quite looked the same. It might take him a year and a half, two years to get fully healthy again after an Achilles injury, which is pretty normal for the NBA and, and really for the NFL, too. When you, when you look at those are the most common sports where you, where you get the Achilles injuries. But, like, I, I don't think they should be sitting there and breaking the bank for Boogie. I, th- I think that would be a dumb deal, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if it's a last resort, one-year type thing, like every, every summer it always comes to, like, a, an overpay for a one-year player because they couldn't fill the rest of the cap. Then I guess you just do it. I mean, I don't, I, unless you – I don't even know what else they can do. Like, if you, if, you, if you miss out on that top-tier free agent and you fill out the rest of the roster and you have, you know – 10 12 million left and yet you need a starting center then just go for it i guess i know they have nothing else to lose at this point i mean i i'm you know i'm, I'm kind of pessimistic with how this direction's going just their team building in the last few years just hasn't been up to par and like you said the zubats trade kind of was just the latest example of that or even like thomas bryant who we've seen in washington just perform really well and they just gave him away for nothing so uh, they're running out of options in the front court and there's not that many out there in the, the center market like you mentioned so and if it comes down to it and, you know, see if he's healthy and maybe try to maybe him and LeBron have a good chemistry and you can rally around that. But I, I wouldn't commit long term to Boogie. Right. There was a guy named Brooke Lopez who would be the perfect, yeah. perfect fit for you. There's a guy named Julius Randle who was a perfect <laughs> fit. And they just let these guys walk. And, and that's where, you know, what going back to what we were talking about with Luke. I don't care who you had coaching this team. With this, the way this roster was constructed in today's NBA, you're not winning more than 40 games with all the injuries. I, I just don't think it's it's possible. And and I, I think Magic and Palinka are, are using Luke Walton as a scapegoat um, for for their trying to cover up their own mistakes. I don't care if you bought in Mark Jackson or Jason Kidd, who really hasn't done anything as a coach. <laughs> I mean, you look at look at the Bucks, man. I mean, the Bucks are so much uh-huh. better the year after he leaves, right? Oh, definitely. Like the, I think the only thing kids brought to the NBA as a coach was that that ice timeout thing where he just oh, yeah, yeah, that was his greatest uh, accomplishment. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, if it comes down to it, and Lucas fired, I, I hope at least at the end of the day they they learn the lesson where they can't build a team this way and, and expect that you know a, a new coach will fix their mistakes in terms of team building. They have to kind of, like I said, look in the mirror and notice the mistakes they made along the way with giving up Zubots for basically a guy they, they don't even play, giving away Thomas Bryant for nothing, Julius and, and possibly D'Angelo down the road if that comes back and bites them and they can't use that cap space. But they, they have to, you know, like you said, they have to start building a team. And I think if this season, this summer, they miss out on that second star, they have to kind of maybe change gears and, and, and think about uh, uh, a few years without LeBron and try to build something that's more sustainable that way. Right. And look at it long term. Like, yeah, OK, you have LeBron here for three more seasons after this. I don't know how he's still going to be very good. He's not going to play at the level, you know, in my opinion, when he's 36, 37, that he's at even now. 
Um, they have to look at the long-term health of this franchise. Magic and Plankage, you can't just come in and say, well, we did our best. We, you know, uh, basically crippled the, the franchise with yeah. some bad contracts. And, and here you guys go, we're, we're leaving now or, you know, we're fired. So it's out of our hands. Like they have to look at building, building uh, an organization from the top down. That includes even the front office, all the way down to uh, when you look at the players and the, and the roster composition, it has to be a little bit more cohesive. They have to look at skill sets of certain guys like Brandon Ingram needs the ball in his hands to be effective. Lonzo Ball needs the ball in his hands to be effective. Um, you know, LeBron James obviously has to have the ball in his hands and they just surrounded him with nothing. It's like Rondo is not, he's not going to be a good <laughs> spot up shooter, right? You know what I mean? Lance Stevenson mm-hmm. likes playing, likes playing ISO ball. So I, I the, the moves were, were head scratchers to me. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on with you, because I know you're, you're super plugged in with the South Bay Lakers. You know a lot about the, the younger players. You, you always have an eye on them and you kind of see what's going on with that team. Uh, obviously with all the injuries, these guys have been called up. Alex Caruso, six points in just over 16 minutes a game. That's what he's scoring. I like Jonathan Williams a lot. He's put yeah. up just, just under five points a game, and he's only playing 13 minutes a night, uh, three rebounds, you know, averaging an, uh, 1.5 offensive rebounds a game. He hustles a lot, gets some tough hoops down low. And if you look at their uh, offensive and def- defensive ratings, like Williams has an offensive rating of 110.8. That's second on the team. He hasn't been around <laughs> a, a long time, and I know that. But even Caruso's defensive rating at 99.8, which is awesome, especially if you compare it to Rondo. Uh, when you look at maybe trying to fill out the roster next season, which one of these guys would you want to have on the team? And do you see having regular minutes? Oh, uh, I mean, I would love to have both. I mean, I think uh, they, they've both proven they deserve rotational minutes somewhere. If it's not with the Lakers, at least somewhere. And I think Caruso specifically has just been fantastic in his, in his little audition here he's had. And he's just so he's just such a tough defender. He's such a good, you know, he's so smart on the offensive end where he cuts so well next to LeBron. And you see that he and LeBron already have instant chemistry and only like five games together where other guys he, he struggled to kind of to build that chemistry with. Just Caruso just knows when to cut, to send screens when he's not on the ball. He just does all these little things that you need a bench player to do. And I think that's something they've lacked all season that their bench players, if it's Stevenson or Beasley earlier in the season or Rondo, that these guys don't do those, you know, little dirty things that you need your bench players to do that are not LeBron James. He, he's always succeeded with guys like Matthew Della Vadova, just guys who, who do the, you know, the dirty stuff just to, to set up lanes for him to drive in, to grab rebounds. So he's not using all his energy on that, on that end of the floor. So I, I think Caruso definitely deserves a spot with the Lakers. If not the Lakers somewhere, he's just, he's proven that. And at Jonathan Williams, basically the same thing, but in center form, he's just very active. He rolls. He's he's pretty explosive. Just solid guys you want to fill out your roster with. The only thing I don't like about Caruso at 25 years old, just shave off the the hair, man. Whatever you got going on there, you got to get rid of that. No, really? No, no, you got to keep that. Advocate keeping that? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He adds adds a lot of character to him, I think. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> only character he looks like he looks creepy you gotta shave that <laughs> off man come on have the true look of a basketball player man come on but you, see that? you saw that dunk that he had against oh, the it, that was nasty that was the highlight of the game easy yeah that game was pretty rough to watch but that, that kind of saved it uh, well who else in the South Bay Lakers is, is I mean I know you, you've talked a lot about uh, Isaac Bonga as well I mean he, uh-huh. he played a lot yesterday just because the game was a blowout but anybody else that you're looking at that hey you know what this guy might be able to you know he might be an NBA rotational player uh, come a year or two down the road yeah uh, Jamario Jones is, is really really uh, uh, really fun and a lot of Lakers Twitter loves Jamario Jones because like Caruso like Williams he's just he just works so damn hard and 
at I think he's like six four, six five, but he's like top ten in rebounding in the whole league just because he he crashes the board so hard. He has multiple games where he's like 13, 14 rebounds out of like the guard spot just because he's he just crashes and he just plays really hard. He's such a good defender. Offensively, you know, he doesn't have much to offer there. He's a good cutter. Uh, he his jump shot still needs work, so that he kind of fits in with the Lakers in that sense. But uh, rebounding and defense and, and defensively, he's just really solid. And he's a rookie this year, so he has some time to grow. And I think it's definitely someone that the Lakers should maybe snatch up on a two-way deal, or you know, they, hopefully they keep him in the organization somehow because he, he's just a really solid player. Oh yeah, the, the, you know what, Alex, you, you do a great job of uh, of covering the Southway Lakers and, and really being in, in the know with with the, with the team. And uh, I mentioned it a couple times, but follow Alex on Twitter as well. He he does a lot of great stats and and will break things down for you uh, in terms of the analytics. H- how did you get into all this, man? Uh, <laughs> uh, I I mean I don't have much of a background in terms of, uh, of of sports writing or anything like that. I just you know I was a big Laker fan growing up and. Uh, I kind of got a shot at Silver Screen and Roll after working at a smaller website. And then from there, I just kind of, you know, basic, you know, reading of other people's work. And I kind of got inspired and kind of started digging into some numbers. And I kind of found a lot of interest there in those numbers and what they kind of reveal, you know, to supplement what you're watching in in game. And I think there's just so many areas to explore with basketball. And I think we're seeing that where, you know, every team has like, 50 great writers covering that team. And I think you have to kind of be original in some sense. And I know numbers aren't, you know, the most original nowadays because everyone's using numbers. But I think if you use them creatively and kind of to back up your argument and to show something that's kind of to missing out there that, that the eye test doesn't always show, I, I think that's really fun to do. Uh, I love checking out your work, man. Like, like I mentioned, I, I think I might need you to uh, to come in and do some analytics on why I make so many bad choices in my life. That'll probably, <laughs> that'll probably be uh, probably be helpful to me in a personal note too. Oh yeah, definitely, man. Whenever you need me to stop by and crunch <laughs> some numbers, let me know. Just do a complete audit of why this guy's bad, <laughs> right? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Alex. That's uh, that's it for this one, man. I appreciate you coming on. It's always a good time. Yeah, man. Thanks again. Had a lot of fun. All right, that's Alex Regula. You can follow him on Twitter. Like I mentioned, Alex M. Regula. That's R-E-G-L-A. And don't forget to follow us as well at Lakers SBN and go to our website, silverscreenandroll.com. We have you covered for everything on the Lakers. And definitely, definitely subscribe to the podcast network, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We are there. That does it for this episode. I'll talk to you all next time.